Good morning. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you have a Bible, would you uh, turn to Romans chapter 6 with me? We're going to continue our sermon series on the difference. And we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. It's on page 1199, if you're going to use one of the Bibles that we provide for you underneath the chair. Hear now God's holy and true word from Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but... Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, we give you praise this morning. We thank you that we can gather here and sing praises to your name. Sing praises to our Savior and Lord Jesus. Sing praises to the Holy Spirit who is inside of us, reminding us that we belong to you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us Ears to hear this morning that you would use this time to transform us more into the likeness of our Lord Jesus. And we thank you for these amazing truths that we will talk about this morning. Father, we do pray that you would use this time to transform us and make us new. Equip us to run with this good news of the gospel in word and deed to our neighbors and to the nations. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 
Well, we are in a series called The Difference, and it is focusing on some of the most fundamental, critical, important doctrines or truths that are found in the Bible. And one of the reasons that we're doing this is because there are a lot of people outside the church that do not understand what the Bible actually teaches about these things. And in reality, there's a lot of people occasionally inside the church that don't understand some of these things as well. And so we want to make sure we are rooted firmly in these uh, critical and essential doctrines. Last week, we talked about the doctrine of justification by faith alone, which is this amazing reality that we see in God's word that we receive his full acceptance through faith alone. It's not according to anything that we do. Uh, Jesus' death on the cross paid for all of our sin. We did not contribute to that payment, but we receive it by faith. And then also that his righteousness, the uh, perfectly righteous life that he lived is given to us for our record freely. And that too is received through faith. And so we contribute absolutely nothing to God's acceptance of us. We just receive it through faith. It's an amazing, amazing reality that we see in Scripture. And we talked about some of the differences that that makes in our lives, if we believe that, if that is true for us. And, uh, for example, we talked about how if you believe that all of your sin, past, present, and future, is forgiven, then that power that guilt can have over you is lifted. And we talked about how if we know that we are fully accepted by God because of what Christ has done, then that appetite that we have for acceptance is satisfied. It's amazing stuff. Well, one of the things that we didn't talk about, another difference that it makes to be justified by faith, uh, we're going to talk about this morning. And that is that when we, when we know that we are completely forgiven and that we are completely righteous and we receive those things through faith, it gives us an ability to look into some things that, apart from knowing that we're accepted by God, I, we just can't do. And what those things are, are really... The combination of God's holiness, his amazing perfection and goodness, and then simultaneously our sin, our wickedness, and how destructive our sin is. Only when we know that God accepts us because of what Christ has done can we begin to realize and see how amazingly holy he is and therefore how wicked and unlike him that we are. When we know we're accepted by What Christ has done, we can look at these things. Otherwise, it's just too frightening. But we can realize these things. And and what happens when you realize that and you see how holy God is and how perfect and how amazing and how loving he is and that he accepts us through faith, it creates in us a desire. God not only justifies us, but he also puts within us this desire to grow, to be more like him. To realize that we don't want to be in sin. That we want to grow And become more like him. More like our perfect savior Jesus. And that really we're talking about this morning. The doctrine of sanctification. But there's a whole lot more to that doctrine than than what we'll see today. But we're going to look at a few things regarding that. But this amazing reality that God not only forgives us. But then he also changes us. He transforms us. And allows us to grow more and more like him. More and more like his son. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now. Uh, The hard truth on this reality is that if somebody says that they're a Christian, but they have no desire and show no effort to be growing more like Christ, there's a major disconnect there. And what we would 
say is that either that person doesn't actually believe or perhaps they believe but are still immature in their faith. They need to come to understand these things in a deeper way. Maybe understand justification by faith alone even more and that can enable uh, a desire to begin to want to be more like Christ, to pursue holiness, to become, to seek to become more like God in his holiness. Those who do believe, those who truly believe, we do have this desire. We have this desire to become more like God and therefore uh, simultaneously to be free from our sin. That is the desire that God puts in our hearts, to be free. And that's why the gospel is such good news. Because it's more than just that we're forgiven and declared righteous, but also that we are transformed, that we're made new in this life. And that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. Uh, through faith in Christ, we are not only set free from the penalty of sin, but also the power of sin. Our God is amazing. Setting us free not only from the penalty, like we talked about last week, but even the power of sin is uh, something he sets us free from. We'll, we'll be talking about that this morning. And one of the things I like to usually say is that, I mean, this is, God is as gracious to forgive us of our sins as he is to deliver us from its power as well. These are both incredible examples of God's grace. So we're going to talk about this, uh, this reality by looking at three things this morning, if you're making an outline. I want to talk about slavery and then union and then freedom. Slavery, union, and freedom. And so we're going to start by talking about slavery. Normally we like to walk right through a passage, but this morning we're just going to bounce around and pick up a couple verses. Uh, So looking at verse 6, let's talk about slavery, keeping in mind that uh, Paul, in the last few chapters, he has explained justification by faith alone. And then the question that can come from that is then why do we fight against our sin? In other words, why don't we just go on sinning, which is what we see in verse 1 of chapter 6. And so this is part of his answer to that. He says that we've died to sin, and then he says this very interesting thing in verse 6 regarding sin and slavery. Look at verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And what that tells us is that apart from faith in Christ, a human being is a slave. That we, apart from faith in Christ, we are slaves to sin. In fact, in verse 16, we won't look at it in depth, but Paul does talk about how whatever you're obeying, that's what you are a slave to. Whether you are a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness or or to God. Sin is slavery. That's what we see here. Sin is slavery, and it's slavery to a very powerful slave master. Sin, doing things that God tells us not to do, or not doing things that God tells us to do. That is slavery, and God loves us too much to leave us in bondage to sin. Sin always brings about misery, it always brings about death, and so God graciously sets us free. And that's what we'll see this morning. But think about slavery. When you think about slavery and then using it as an illustration to understand sin, this is really, really powerful. Uh, You know, when when you and I think about slavery, we usually probably, our minds go to early American enslavement of Africans, and that is horrific and terrible. That That hadn't happened yet, so Paul, in thinking about slavery, is not thinking about that, but he quite possibly was thinking about when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. If you know the Old Testament, if you know the story, you know that the Israelites went down into Egypt and then a new pharaoh arose and enslaved 
the Israelites. Okay, And if you think about what their lives were like and then cross-reference that with the effects of sin, it's really amazing. Think about this. Uh, what were their lives like? What, were, what was life like for the Israelites? Well, number one, they were forced to obey a master who did not care about them and was really using them. Okay, they, All day, every day, they had to do this work in obedience to Pharaoh, somebody that they didn't care about or they didn't they didn't want to work for and someone who didn't care about them one bit. They were not free. No matter what they thought, they were not doing what they wanted to do. They were slaves to Pharaoh. Number two, uh, they never benefited from their work. All day they would work and create these bricks, if you know the story, and, and then at the end of the day, whatever they had done would be taken away, carted off to serve Pharaoh in some way. They didn't get to keep it. They didn't get to sell it and, and have the money. They, it was taken away. They worked very, very hard, and then there was nothing. So their labor, their slavery, their slave labor never benefited them at all. That's the essence of being a slave, is working really hard for nothing, for someone else's benefit. Now, um, The third thing would be that their work just got harder and harder. They were slaves, working for Pharaoh, never benefited from it. And then in Exodus chapter 5, we read that Moses had begun to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. And at the first sign of the Israelites wanting to be freed from their slavery from Pharaoh, Pharaoh turns around and says, no, you cannot go. And by the way, I'm going to make it even harder on you. Your lives will be harder now. Because you're going to have to, make, have to make bricks without straw. Making the bricks a lot more heavy. And he said you've got to pump out as many as you did before. So in slavery to Pharaoh, their lives continued to get harder and harder. And when we take those things and then think about the way that sin affects us, it's amazing. It's the same things that happen to us. When we are in sin, when we are giving in to sin, we are obeying a master. It's not that we're just doing what we want. This is a hard thing to realize, but what's happening when we're sinning is sin, the world, the flesh, the devil, is saying, do this thing, and we say, yes, sir. Now, I know that's not something we like to think about, uh, but the reality is you, you can feel it when, and we've all done this, we've all tried to stop. We've all had times in our life where we've tried to stop doing something we know we're not supposed to do, and then we do it again anyway. That's slavery. That's the proof that we are in bondage. We cannot break free. So just like the Israelites were obeying a master, when we're in sin, we're obeying a master. Also, just like the Israelites were working hard and and never benefiting from it, our sin never benefits us. Sin does not make our lives better. We think it will, but it doesn't. It just does not. And Paul says something in this chapter that I think is so bold. It's in verse 21. You can look there. We didn't read it, but in verse 21, he says, Consider the fruit that you were getting from the things of which you are now ashamed. In other words, he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to people that have been set free from the power of sin. And he's saying, think back to your former life when you were stuck in sin. What good came of it? That's very bold because that means that we can look back on our lives and if we're honest, if we really take an honest assessment, have the sinful things that I've done or been involved in actually benefited my life or someone else's and we'll see that the answer is no. So just like the Israelites did not benefit from their slave labor, we don't benefit from our sin at all. In fact, it just gets worse. It brings misery and more sin and more misery. 
And that's the third thing, that just like the Israelites, it got harder and harder. Their lives got more difficult. That's what happens to us too. Our lives, as we continue to give in to sin, get more difficult and more difficult. I think an example of this, and I've told you this about me before, so hopefully if, if this is the first time you're hearing this about me, I uh, hope you won't be too shocked. But um, one of the things, one of the sins that's very common uh, in our country among men, particularly young men, is the struggle with viewing inappropriate materials, particularly on the Internet. And I've, I've shared with you before that as a younger man, I, I really struggled with that. I had an issue with that, and God has completely delivered me from that. But what I can tell you, is that this is exactly how it works. What I can tell you is that when you are stuck in that particular sin, just like any sin, you want to stop, but you can't seem to stop. It's like somebody keeps saying, do this, and, we, and you say, okay. And it never benefits. It never benefits you, no matter what. It's, there's never a point where, you're, where you say, I'm glad that I'm doing this. It never pays off. It never benefits. It never delivers. Sin never delivers on its promises. And things only get worse. And by the grace of God, I was lifted out of this problem a long time ago now. But there are just so many stories of marriages and families that are destroyed by that issue. And I know for a fact there are men in this room that are struggling with that. And I also know that if you will tell me about it, I can walk with you through that. I can help you with that. But the point is, this is what sin does. Okay? It enslaves us. It holds, it has power over us. And it causes us to do all these things that do not benefit anyone. And in fact, it makes things worse. And when we see that, then we want out, right? When we can open our eyes and realize that even, you know, we, it's easy to see with the bigger sins that this is how it works. But the reality is this is how it works with all sin. All sin does, do, does these same things to us. And so it should make us long to be free. And the reality is, just like the Israelites needed somebody to come and deliver them from slavery to Pharaoh, we need someone to deliver us and continue to deliver us from our slavery to sin. And I just want to say this. I know sometimes uh, this reality is, is pretty shocking and people don't feel like they're really enslaved to something. Well, what I would say as a challenge is consider something you're involved in that the Bible says you should not be doing and just stop. Don't ever do it again. See, if you try to stop, you'll see. You will see the power that sin has over us and that we need a savior. We need to be saved, delivered. And that's what's so amazing about the gospel is, uh, like I said before, it's not just that we're forgiven of our sin, but we're also given power over our sin. And it is through our union with Christ. This is such a sweet, sweet doctrine that we would be united to Christ. And so let's talk about union, union with Christ to see in verse five that it is through being united to Christ that we are set free from the power of sin. Okay, this is critical that we understand this. This is where we get power. It's being united to Christ. Verse five. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like 
his. This reality that we are united with him is absolutely amazing. Uh, it's the Greek word sumphutos, and what it means is that it's actually an agricultural term that's used when you're talking about taking two plants and engrafting them into each other so then they become one plant that's inseparable. Okay? It's fusing those two plants together. And so this is the imagery that Paul's using here, that we are fused, we are engrafted to Christ. We become one with him. And that is where we get the power. Because think about this. Um, another, another way that our relationship and our union with Christ is illustrated in Scripture is marriage. And in a normal marriage... When you say I do, you become co-owners of everything that that person had before, and likewise them of you. Unless, you know, as long as it's not like a Hollywood marriage with a bunch of prenuptials and all that stuff. A normal wedding, you say I do, and now you are co-owners of all that each other had. Okay? So when I got married, when I said I do to Hannah, I got me not just a spouse. But a 1993 Toyota Camry. It's purple. Stick shift. It's awesome. Okay? I don't even want to tell you what she got. She said, it was a Camaro. I don't know what I was doing. It, it was fast. Um, and it was cheap. It was old. Just leave me alone. Okay. But, okay? Just becomes, right? And I also, I worked for Best Buy. Okay? So I had, I had a bank account. The day Hannah said, I do, she suddenly co-owner hundreds of dollars. Hundreds. Okay, it's, I mean, there's just, it's just hers. Her things were mine. We were co-owners. We share everything. And you know what else is amazing is when I was standing there looking at this woman who had chosen to unite herself to me. To become one with me. And even though I have all the, I have a past. I have baggage that I regret things i'm ashamed of and she knows i told her these things yet she looks at me and chooses to unite herself to me to become one with me and in a real sense she owns my past too doesn't she and the gospel is this amazing amazing reality that jesus who is perfect looks at you and me who are the farthest thing from with all of our baggage, all of our sin, and he says to you and me, I do. And when the Holy Spirit in time uh, regenerates our hearts, when we're born again and when we put our faith in Christ, that's when we're saying, I do as well, and we are united to him. We have union with Christ, and therefore, he gets all that we have, and all we have to offer him is sin, but he takes it. And then on top of that, we receive all that he has, all that he's done. And he has made a payment for sin. And so suddenly we own that payment. That payment's our payment. His payment belongs to us. That's how we are forgiven, because being united to him, being one with him means that his payment counts for us. And also he lived this life of righteousness, right? All these perfect Good works that he did. And that too. Is legally ours. 
And we are declared righteous because we're united to the one who is truly righteous. That's justification. That's what we talked about last week. And now, here's another thing. Look at verse 10. Another thing that we get, being united to Christ. Verse 10, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. So we also receive through this union, we receive a death to sin. A death that is powerful enough to break the power of sin. And that becomes ours. So on the cross, Jesus was not only paying the debt for our sin and transferring his righteousness to us. But he was also dying to sin, breaking the power that sin would have over you and I who believe. Breaking it. So that it cannot enslave us anymore. And that death becomes our death. If we want to be free from sin, he who has died is free from sin. It says if we want to be free, we need a death. And the grace of God is that we receive that death by being united to him and not experiencing that death. Look at verse 6 again. He says that we were crucified with Christ. We were crucified with him in order that the body of sin, our old self, would be brought to nothing. The power of it would be brought down to nothing and and we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And if we believe, then we have died with Christ. Paul says the same thing in Galatians 5. I have been crucified with Christ. That means his death is my death. And not just his death, but his burial and his resurrection. And so we sing ours, the cross, the grave, the skies. It's amazing. And another thing, too, on Good Friday, you know, we sing, were you there? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? What's the answer to that question? Yes, via by nature of our union with Christ, we were there. We were crucified with him. And so Paul says in verse 11, so you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, which means our power for fighting against our sin and breaking free from its enslavement is through our union with Christ and the fact that we have a death. We own his death and that is what we need to be set free from its power and every time a believer is sinning when we give in to sin what we're really doing is we're forgetting that we do not have to obey that horrible master we're forgetting that we have been set free that we can say no and we can grow and we can fight against our sin and become more like Christ in this life. And the reality is, it's hard. It's not easy. We need somebody to lead us. We need somebody to teach us, take us along that journey. And just like Moses led the Israelites out of slavery when they were in Egypt, Jesus, the true and better Moses, is the one who paid our debt and then broke that power of sin and is leading us into real freedom And so the difference this makes in your life is that we can be free, that sin is not your master. Listen to me. Sin is not your master. Let me say that again because I know that some of us are really struggling and we feel like we can't stop doing these things that we're involved in. And I want to tell you, you need to hear this. Sin is not your master. 
Sin is not your master. If you are a believer, Jesus is your master. Now, we need help to follow him, to fight against our sin. We need each other. We need the Holy Spirit most of all. We need the Word of God. But the case in point is that sin is no longer our master. We are not enslaved. In fact, Paul says that we become slaves or servants of God. And that's amazing because sin and God treat their servants very, very differently. Sin is... Hard work, no payoff. God, God is so different. Treats us like children, showers his love upon us, rewards our work as we strive for holiness. He he empowers us through the work of the Holy Spirit and the gospel and the word of God. And we grow and we become different people. We are changed. Our lives change. That's the huge difference is that we really, our lives truly change as we grow more and more like Christ. And that's why he calls us to obey. That's where these calls and commands in Scripture are there for, to call us forward. God is telling us to come be what he has empowered us to be. And the reality is sin, sin is is easy when you think about it. What's hard is obedience. Obedience is very, very hard. But what's so amazing is the payoff is absolutely amazing for obedience because God meets us empowers us, changes us. We become more loving, more joyful, more patient. We become more like Christ and we experience what we were made to be. And our lives really actually change. When we fight, when we fight against our sin, that's when we'll see the most life change because true freedom is obeying God. That's what we were designed to do. So true freedom is to obey God. In fact, perfect freedom would be perfect obedience And that's what Jesus has and wants for us, is that he was the most obedient person ever because he was perfectly obedient. He was also the most free. And while we won't be perfectly obedient in this life, one day he'll make us perfect. But in this life, he's calling us forward to experience more and more of that freedom and that joy, the joy of the indescribable joy of becoming more like him, of an increase in holiness to be more and more like him. God, like Christ. And here's the thing. Jesus, perfectly obedient and therefore perfectly free and chose with that freedom to be bound. He chose to be bound and tortured and hung on a cross. He used his freedom to die so that we could be free too. And that's what true freedom is. And the more we see that sin is slavery and true freedom is is obedience the more we we want it and the more we we want to experience that look at verse 12 13 and 14 this is true freedom this is why paul is saying this he's explained these things to us now now he's saying so be free here he says verse 12 let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions he's saying don't obey sin it's not your master anymore 13 do not present your members To sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. What a sweet, sweet thing. Sin will have no dominion over us. We can change. We can grow. We can fight hard together against our sin and see... uh, Real life change. See, the reality is freedom is, is, is it's all about realizing this, that, that it's through his law God teaches us how to be free. 
Okay, that's why there's all these commands in Scripture. It's not about how do you how do you get God's acceptance. No. We talked about that last week. We're accepted because of Christ's obedience. Our obedience is learning to be free. It's learning to be like Jesus. It's learning to be what we were meant to be. And the reality is, the law, when you're a non-believer, is designed to crush you and show you that you cannot live up to it. And therefore, you need a Savior desperately. And then the gospel is the good news that there is a Savior, one and only, Jesus Christ. And that not only will he deliver you from the penalty of sin, but also through faith, through the work of the Holy Spirit, he'll deliver us from that power as well. And our lives change. It's amazing. And when we see that the Bible teaches teaches this and teaches us how to live free, then we long to bind ourselves to God. That's what's so amazing. See, it's, it's ironic, but when, the more we see the glory of God and the call he has to us to grow in holiness, the more we want that, the more we want to bind ourselves to God, the more we want to serve him because we realize it's true freedom. When someone has formerly been a slave and then is set free, if they've, if they've been a slave their whole life, they don't know how to live. They don't know how to be free. And the law is the sweet, sweet thing that God gives us to show us what freedom really is. Once we know Christ. Once he is the one leading us in this freedom. We see him. We realize that he's purchased our freedom. And we want to go where he goes and do what he does. We want to say what he says. There's a, uh, a story about Abraham Lincoln. Nobody knows if it's really true. But it goes like this. That Abraham Lincoln went down to a slave auction. And... Uh, began bidding on a young female slave. And so she sees this white guy bidding on her, doesn't know who he is, and she gets scared and worried and realizes, she just thinks, okay, here's this, this other guy, he's going to abuse me, he's going to take advantage of me, he's going to hurt me. That's what she expects. But Lincoln wins the bidding, and so she's brought to him in chains. And the story goes that he took the chains off and said, my dear, you are free. And she said, what does that mean? And he said, it, it means you are free. And she said, does, does that mean that I can say whatever I want to say? And he says, yes, dear, it means you can say whatever you want to say. She says, does that, does that mean that I can be whatever I want to be? And he says, yes, that means you can be whatever you want to be. And she says, does that mean I can go wherever I want to go? And he says, yes, dear, it means you may go wherever you want to go. And with tears streaming down her face, she said, well, then I will go with you. Because when someone has set you free, you want to go wherever they go. You want to do what they do. You want to become like them. And Jesus is the one who's purchased our freedom on the cross. And so we say, then I will go with you. Let's pray. Father, we would never be able to face our sinfulness if we didn't know that Jesus has paid for it and put his righteousness in its place. Father, we... uh, we just thank you. We ask that you would help us to realize that sin is not our master. Oh, how often we forget that. We hear it calling to us and we give in. And you are so patient and you keep forgiving us. Give us that desire to be free. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to 
live with grace-driven effort to grow in holiness, that we would experience more and more of this freedom that Christ has purchased for us. And as we do so, let us glorify you with our lives and bless those around us that people would see our good deeds and glorify you who is in heaven. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.